Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I want to um, share something on God's heart with you today. And I'm wondering whether you'll uh, just go with me to Hebrews 11. I want to read from verses 1 to 3. And if ever there was a passage of Scripture that would be a great passage to memorise, this would be it. The Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by faith the people of old received their commendation, and by faith we understand that the universe was made by the Word of God and not necessarily by what is visible. This morning, I want to preach to you on the subject of God's heavenly broadband network. God's heavenly broadband network. Now, I don't know about you, but the house where we live suffers from internet connection problems. Does anybody feel my pain in the room today? And so it's a real problem when you're watching Netflix. And you've just wasted an hour of your life or two hours of your life. You're never going to get it back again. And all of a sudden, in that moment where the plot is going to reveal, the movie, the episode is going to reveal, you know, the big idea of who the criminal is or who the mystery uh, person is, all of a sudden the internet modem freezes And it doesn't matter how many demons you try and cast out of the internet modem or how much holy water you try and throw on it. It just will not move. It's paralysed. It's not going anywhere. And apparently the NBN, the National Broadband Network, is supposed to fix this. Now, for those of you who may not be aware, the NBN is the national sort of online communications infrastructure that's designed to speed up online communications. And for me and my household, we are yet to see the fulfilment of that prophecy in our lives and in our household. And I began to think about how just as in the natural, so in the supernatural, that the Kingdom of God has a heavenly broadband network. And if we don't plug in to God's HPN, we're going to have some significant connection problems. We can give and give and give. And by the sounds of it, what I heard at the end of our giving message today, powerful giving message, and we can be inspired and, and hear the testimony in someone else's life and give out of a sense of inspiration. But if we're not plugged into God's HPN, we're not necessarily going to see a return or see a harvest in our lives in the area of finance. You can pray and pray and pray and ask God and ask God for for answers and various breakthroughs. But if you don't plug into God's HBN, you're not necessarily going to see the answers that you're believing for in your life. And what many of us do when there is a lack in our lives, we say whatever will be, will be. And we blame the sovereignty of God for things our faith should take responsibility for. One of the things I've learned is that God's sovereignty will never do for you what God's Spirit has commissioned your faith to do. Whilst God is sovereign, He has created us in His image and His likeness and He has called us into co-labouring partnership with Him to fulfil His purposes on planet Earth. 
God has not made you a robot whereby simply yes, or no, so three bags full, sir, whatever it is will be. No, he's, he's called you into partnership with Him. And how you and I partnership with Him is through God's heavenly broadband network. We must never reduce our prayer lives to simply theory and duty by tolerating a lack of answers in our prayers. Many of us, uh, uh, and, and for good reason, and the Bible teaches this, uh, are living only for eternal reward, failing to realise your kingdom come, your will be done in the present realm on earth as it is in heaven. God actually wants more and more of this earthly realm to look more and more like the kingdom of heaven. He actually, what is the point? I say, I preach in all sorts of churches and conferences and, and it's amazing to, to see what God's doing in the individual lives in that local church. But what is the point of simply having a, a large, big church if we're not transforming the culture around us? The prayer, your kingdom come, you will be done on earth as it is in heaven is not just about living for eternal rewards. It's about seeing the manifest power and grace of God break through into our current reality and circumstances of our lives. It is okay to believe and want God to answer your prayers. You see, God's heavenly broadband network is the spirit of faith. Paul talks about faith in this context, the spirit of of faith. Now, faith is a conductor of God's power. Doubt is an insulator from God's power. Now, many of us are like the father that brings his son to Jesus to ask for ministry to the son. And when Jesus responds with, all things are possible for the one who believes, the man responds with, I believe, but help my unbelief. Every single one of us have been there where we say, God, I believe, Jesus, I believe, but I'm wrestling with some doubts. I'm wrestling with some anxiety. I'm wrestling with some fear in this. I believe, but help my unbelief. You see, science has broken the sound barrier. Humanity has broken the sin barrier. God is looking for some believers to break the doubt barrier today. Thank God that, that He's done amazing things through men and women of God in the past, but He builds from generation to generation, from glory to glory. God wants to do a new thing in your life. God wants to do a new thing in victory. He wants to do a new thing in Adelaide. He wants to do a new thing in our nation, but it's gonna require faith. You see, many of us are approaching God based upon needs versus faith. We say, well, because I've got a need, God, you are obligated to meet my need. I mean, I, I've had devotions at least once this week and, and, and I even, you know, lifted my arm at half mast during worship today and, and, and I even thought about buying my work colleague a cup of coffee and at least the thought counts and, and it's often we judge others by their actions and judge ourselves by our intentions. And, and so because we've performed our religious sort of requirements this week, we say, well, God, you are therefore obligated to meet my needs. 
And we say, my God shall supply, Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all of my needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And that is true. But there are many needs in this room today that are not being met. Not because God isn't loving, not because God isn't gracious and compassionate, but because it's not without needs, it's impossible to please God. It's without faith, it's impossible to please God. He is looking for a people of faith. When the Son of Man returns, will He find faith in the earth? Implying that people of faith will be a rare breed species of people. And so that brings us to the book of Hebrews where the Hebrew writer is writing to persecuted believers who are capitulating under the pressure of persecution to give up their faith in Christ to return to their own works, to return to a righteousness by their own efforts. And the Hebrew writer writes to encourage and inspire faith through grace in, and, and because of Jesus Christ. And so too in this day in our culture, our culture places pressure on the church, on believers to give up our faith and return to a way of life that is based upon our efforts and our works. What you need to understand about faith is that it possesses God's now will for your life. The Hebrew writer says, now faith is. God dwells in the eternal realm. He is not bound by time, space or matter. Those things limit you and I, but God is the eternal I am. When Moses said, whom shall I say sent me? God says to uh, Moses, tell them I am. He's sending you. I am who I am. Now, that isn't necessarily very helpful to me if I'm being commissioned for a task and I say, whom shall I say sent me? How about almighty creator of the heavens and the earth? God says, no, tell them I am. But what God was doing was trying to give revelation, theology, insight into His nature. He was saying before you were Moses, I am. As you are now, I am. After you were gone, I still will be. I am. I operate outside of the limitations of time, space and matter. And when we join our faith to God's I am nature, we begin to access the eternal realm. We begin to access the supernatural realm in our lives. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 43, 19 says, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? God is always up to something new in your life. He's always got a now word for you. But the question that I have is how many of the now purposes of God for my life have I missed because of my lack of perception, because of a lack of faith? Faith actually perceives something of God's now purpose for my lives that reason and logic cannot perceive. You see, when Jesus moved in miracles, it wasn't just a good thing to do. He was perceiving the Father's now will for that person. And by faith, even though He was fully and properly God, He was fully and properly man, by faith, He was actually actioning the will of the Father in that now moment to bring the miraculous into that person's life. Many of us are waiting for God to do something in our tomorrow. God's waiting for us to join in agreement with His now will for our lives today. Today is the day of salvation. His mercies are new every morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. God wants to do something at victory. He wants to do something in your lives today. 
And we quote things like all the promises of God are yes and amen. And that is true. But there are 5,476 promises in the Bible. Which one of them have you come into agreement with by faith? Because only the promises you come into agreement with by faith actually conceptualise and manifest in your reality. You can cognitively in your head acknowledge all the promises of God, yes and amen, and that is right. But only those that are accessed by faith will live and breathe in your life. You see, what a lack of faith doesn't agree with, our flesh will try and manipulate. Because we want things and things are available and we see things in the kingdom just like Israel saw the promised land, but when they did not enter in by faith the first time, their flesh, the arm of the flesh tried to manipulate and they got beaten. And so in order to possess the fullness of the promises, the promised land in Christ that God has for you, it's going to require faith. And what ended up should have only taken 11 day journey, took 40 years because of a lack of faith. Faith is not only present tense, it's defined by two things. Faith is assurance and conviction in something, in a goal, in a thing, in an object. Faith is not presumption and it's not optimism. Lots of people in the self-help industry, you know, you can read a self-help book, go to a self-help seminar, and those things are okay. But just because someone is positive, or optimistic doesn't mean they're walking in faith. It doesn't mean they've accessed the supernatural realm. Uh, The Bible says that faith is assurance of things hoped for. It's a conviction of things not seen. I can't see it, but there's a substance, there's a conviction, there's assurance that it's there. We walk by faith, not by sight. What is the thing, what is the goal, what is the substance, what is that object that your faith is partnered with right now in your life? Because faith lies dormant where it lacks a thing, a goal. You think about the Apostle Peter before he uh, preached the gospel on the day of Pentecost. He was foot in mouth disease, Peter. He was denied Jesus three times, Peter. He had lots of issues in his life. And yet, in spite of his failings, he was a man of faith. Jesus does his moonwalk, the original Michael Jackson moonwalk on the Sea of Galilee. And and the disciples are freaking out. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's Jesus. And as he's walking by... After their freak out, Peter likes what he sees, wants to do what he sees and says, Jesus, if it's you, bid me to come to you on the water. In other words, say one word and that one word is enough for my faith to have an assurance and conviction to deny the natural laws of gravity and begin to walk on top of the water because Peter understood if Jesus says it, that settles it. If God's spoken that word in your life, that settles it. Uh, Man may have his opinion. I do go to people for good counsel and good counsel is so important. Without counsel, plans fail. But there comes a time where man's opinion and counsel must submit to the Word of the Lord and what God is saying in your life. And if you're facing something in your life where it's like you've got to walk on top of water, what you need is a Word from God. Because once you've got that Word, that is the object that your assurance and conviction can begin to work with in order to see the supernatural be accessed. 
test in your life. And the greatest um, source of our assurance and conviction is not ultimately just in a Word, it's in the Word that became flesh and dwelt amongst us. It's Jesus Christ once and for all sacrifice on the cross. And in fact, from Hebrews 1 to Hebrews 10, the writer is setting up this foundation as to the reason why you and I can live in Hebrews 11 and live in Hebrews 12, the life of faith, because he continually points to the preeminent sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, the great high priest of our faith. When Jesus said, it is finished, he was saying, I've done everything necessary that pertains to life and godliness for your faith to have a future. I've conquered sin, I've conquered Satan and I've conquered death so that you can access a life of victory. So that you, faith does not deny the reality of pain and suffering. Faith acknowledges it. Faith has a theology to work through it, but faith also believes in spite of it. It believes that God is still good, that God is sovereign, that even though I can't answer every question that I have, even though there is a mystery to my faith, I will still contend that He will manifest His power, His goodness, His love, His grace in my life. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that we are in relationship with. You see, the entire foundation of your relationship with God is by grace through faith. In fact, it's by your faith that God commends you as righteous. The Bible says in verse 2 that it's by faith the people of old received their commendation as righteous. So when Noah builds an ark for a hundred years without any sign of rain, God looks at it and says, that's righteous criticised, people sort of making a mockery of him. He just continues to build according to the Word of the Lord. When Abraham and Sarah receives a promise of the promised child and yet their biology is not working the way it should and, and they're above the age of childbearing and beyond the age of childbearing years and they conceive and have the promised son Isaac, God looks at it and says, that's righteous. It's your faith that accesses the righteousness of God. God repeats four times, the righteous shall live by faith. It draws this link between God's righteousness and your faith. We're saved by grace through faith. So if grace is the water, faith is the pipeline. There is enough grace to go around for every single person here today in every area of your life, in your relational life, in your financial life, in your physical life. I'm so glad that salvation isn't just about my spirit. It's my mind, body and spirit. It's my marriage. It's my family. It's all of my life. It's my job. Salvation is the completion of God's purpose of bringing me into the fullness and abundance of what He has for me. So, if, if, if grace is the water, I've got to have a pipeline. There's enough grace to go around for everyone. The question is, do I have the pipeline of faith to access the grace that is coming my way? It's by your faith that God commends you as righteous. Not only does it access grace, but it perceives in the Spirit what reason can't comprehend in the natural. Now, The writer of Hebrews says in verse three, by faith, we understand. 
There are only some things you'll understand about the kingdom of God by faith, not by your reason, not by your logic. Our culture has replaced that phrase, by faith we understand, with by education we understand. By logic we understand, by reason we understand. Now I'm pro-education, get as educated as you possibly can. I've been educated, I'm still educating myself. I would encourage everyone to get educated. Here's the deal though. If your education is greater than your revelation of who God is, you're gonna struggle to live by faith. Because God has this unreasonable, uncomfortable habit of asking His people to do things that are illogical and that are outside of what we've been taught in a classroom or what we've read in some textbook. He, 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 he asks us to do things that require faith, not necessarily human logic. Now, praise God for logic. Praise God for reason. Praise God for common sense. We need more of it on planet Earth right now. Harris would say yes and amen to that, all right? But here's the deal. Common sense to God is different to common sense to man. My thoughts aren't your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways aren't your ways. If you want more of God's ways to become your ways, more of His thoughts are gonna become your thoughts and my thoughts. And so we've got to understand that, that what reason says is first see and then believe. But God says, first believe and then you'll see. This is where risk comes into it. And so when my father went to the doctor and reason said, you've got a malignant tumour on your tongue. We've got to operate, cut out half your tongue. You'll never speak the same way again. And my dad's a preacher. Not a good day when you hear that from reason. They said, come back in a week, we'll operate. He goes, picks up his Bible, comes to the front of the church. As a little boy, I saw him do this over a week. And every day for hours, Instead of just listening to what reason said, he consulted what faith said. By his stripes, I am healed. He heals all our diseases, forgives all our iniquity. He had history and context of people that weren't healed or or were promoted to glory or all sorts of things happen. Again, we come back to there are some things we can't explain and God doesn't expect you to explain. But what God does call us to is to maintain that posture of faith. And at the end of the seven days goes back to reason. Reason looks at the tongue and says, it's changed. We need to test it again. The original test said malignant. The second test said benign. You no longer have a cancerous growth on your tongue. And the doctor said, amen. The doctor said, I don't understand. And my dad said, it's okay, I understand. Because faith understands things that your reason and logic won't won't always understand. Faith accesses in the supernatural realm what your reason will never access. And for faith to materialise what's invisible into the visible realm, it's got to be activated. It's actually got to be practically partnered with. And there are three basic things for your faith to be activated. Firstly, it's hearing the Word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. If you wanna grow in faith, every single believer in this room has been given a measure of faith. Paul talked about, think of yourself soberly according to the measure of faith that God has apportioned to you. What's your measure of faith? Keeping in mind that Jesus said, all you need is a mustard seed of faith. It's not actually the size of your faith, it's what you do with your faith. 
But if you wanna grow your faith, it begins with hearing the Word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Don't just hear what God said last year or what God said 10 years ago. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You gotta begin to hear what God wants to say today to you. What is God's now Word for your life? His mercies are new every morning. There's fresh manna available every day. I don't have devotions because I'm trying to earn my salvation. I have devotions because I love Him. I want to build my relationship with Him and I want to live life in the fresh inspiration of His Word and of His presence in my life every single day. So I've got to hear it. But then secondly, I've got to partner with that hearing through declaration. And so I begin to declare that Word out of my life. And, and so the power of life and death is in the tongue. Many believers have got the mute button on in their life because the enemy through life circumstances has shut their confession, has shut their declaration. It takes energy to declare what you've heard. It, it, it takes effort. It, it takes some initiative, some get up and go. But that's where as we wait upon the Lord, He renews our strength in His presence. And in that place of hearing the Word, our strength is renewed. And then in prayer, we begin to breathe out and declare that which we've heard into our spirit. And as we begin to hear it and declare it, we need to partner with that declaration, obedience. We need to actually obey because faith apart from works is dead. One of the best definitions of faith that I've heard is faith is obedience to the point of risk. That if there is no risk, if there is no margin for error, it's not faith. You can't tell me it's faith until there's risk involved. Faith is obedience to the point of risk. And so in our lives, when God asked us to leave secure job and we just got married and go and study and be an intern and interns just code for hard work in Jesus' name and, and, and do your apprenticeship and, and, and begin that journey. Okay, it takes faith. Whatever God's got for you will only be accessed by faith. Not all, I hope it works, but God, I believe you've spoken. I've declared it, I'm stepping out. When God asked us to plant a church with 13 people and no money, it requires faith. And then three years later, there's several hundred people and buildings and budgets and staff and all sorts of things. And then when everything's going well, He says, now I'm sending you to be a voice to the body. There's no guarantee of any salary coming anywhere. Step out. It required faith to step. And then we're stepping into a new season next year of ministry expression. It requires faith. It's the life of faith. I remember when we planted the church in the first couple of years, we needed $100,000 to secure uh, a venue and, and to do things in that venue. And we didn't have that money. We're a young church and maybe just a couple of hundred people at the time. And, and uh, my wife and I were in our living room and we're praying, God, how are we going to raise this money? We've already been to the church for offerings and, and we need this money. How are we going to do this? We believe this is in your heart for us. God begins to speak to me. The first thing he said was, Son, I'm, I'm going to give you the money. I'm going to bless you with the money. So I got that in my spirit. I had a yes and amen, got some Scripture verses. I started to walk around the house. I started to declare it. I started to confess it. And then all of a sudden the Lord said to me, but I want you to run from Sydney to Melbourne to raise the money. 
Now, when I heard that, I said, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. That, that, that's not, no, that's bad pizza the night before. That's, that's the enemy. Only the pit of hell could manifest such a ridiculous idea. Uh, what are people going to think? They're going to laugh at me. This is crazy. But two hours later, I'm just sitting on that word saying there wasn't much declaration after that word at that point. Um, I'm just sitting there going, okay, but God gave me this whole strategy on paper. I go to the staff the next day and they're looking at me like you're looking at me right now. And and I said to them, this is how we're going to raise the money. I'm going to run from Sydney to Melbourne, a distance of about 1,000K. And we're going to raise the money. And they just look at me and after silence, there was laughter, right? And then there was sort of mockery, right? It was like, pastor, you're going to be amazing. We'll stand here cheering you on. You just go for it. And they're all like, yeah, right. This is going to happen. And, and, and so we planned, we prepared according to the word of the Lord. We heard, we declared, but it had to be obeyed. And so in 2009, we launched out from Hillsong Church in Sydney at the 9am service. They got us up at the end of the service and they prayed for us. Darlene Check laid her hand on my shoulder and prayed for me. I haven't washed my shoulder to this day. And, and, and she's a famous worship leader for those who don't know. And, and so uh, I launch out. Two weeks later, we ran 1,172 kilometres and we raised $160,000 in two weeks. We heard something... We declared something and we obeyed something. And what was in the heart of God manifested and it was more than enough. So the next time Pastor Tony says, we need to raise money for a building, you're going to say it's time to run from Melbourne to Adelaide in Jesus. That's not a prophetic word, by the way, or or it could be. Um, So it's like the never-ending workout in the gym. Um, But... But there was action required with the Word, with what God had spoken. You see, God's heavenly broadband network is not limited by the size of whatever mountain you're facing today. Many of us are sort of looking up at our mountain. We're intimidated by the mountain as if it's Mount Everest. It could be a new business that God's put on your heart. It could be something going on in your marriage. It could be something in your physical body. Whatever it is, for most of us, we approach those things as if it's a mountain that is overshadowing our lives. God knows what to do with mountains. He created Mount Everest. He, na- he looks down on your mountains. He never looks at your mountain from this position and scratches his head and go, I just don't know what we're gonna do. This one has taken me by surprise. Let's consult with the angels. Gabriel, what do you think about this? Let's go and, you know, talk to the pastor. Maybe he's got some good ideas. God is not taken by surprise by your mountain. He's not intimidated by your mountain. He doesn't have any anxiety about your mountain. He's not confused about what to do with your mountain. He is not limited. God's heavenly broadband network is not limited. By the size of your mountain, it's only limited by what you are doing or not doing with the size of your faith. It comes back to whatever measure or portion of faith. We are not to compare our portion to somebody else's portion. We're not to measure ourselves with someone else's measure of faith. We've got to soberly, uh, with sober-mindedness, look at our measure of faith and say, what am I doing with it? How am I growing this in my life? Because if there is a lack in our lives, it's never on God's end. 
it will always be on ours. Otherwise, He can't be God. He is exceedingly good. And that is a bitter, that is a difficult pill to swallow for people that have often projected onto God all this stuff. But we've got to get a fresh revelation of the goodness of God, of the nature of who God is, of His intention as your heavenly Father in your life to bless you. If you then being evil, Jesus said, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will the heavenly Father give good things to those who ask Him? When, the, when that father brought his tormented son to the disciples and the disciples couldn't minister freedom to the boy, the disciples get Jesus aside privately after the fact so that they wouldn't look bad. And they said to Jesus, why the lack? Why the disconnect in the heavenly broadband network? Why couldn't we cast that out? And Jesus says, because of what you didn't do with your little faith. He said, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you'll say to this mount, which tells me they had less than a grain of mustard seed of faith. If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. I really believe that one of the things we've got to be mindful of and focused on in our current climate in Australia, spiritually and otherwise, is God, He's still calling His church and His people to the life of faith. And there is a mantle and a mandate on this house to present to the world a brilliant view of who God is. The the life of victory, the life of fullness and abundance isn't about denying the reality of what sucks in life. Stuff happens. There's another word for that, but we won't use that today. Stuff happens. Things happen in life. But the life of victory and the fullness and abundance of life in the midst of the tribulation says, I will take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. And, and every one of us have got reasons to look at our personal lives and say, you know what? I feel sorry for myself, I feel discouraged, I, I, you know, have a pity party. My, my 59-year-old mother wrestled with a lung disease for 20 years and died two and a half years ago. My 32-year-old sister adopted from Korea at 14 years of age, left the family home, has lived on the streets and off the streets, has been in and out of prison for 18 years. There's all sorts of things that I could sit here and say, you know what? God hasn't been good. He hasn't been faithful. Why has all this stuff happened? But all I'm called to is to take heart because He has overcome the world. In the midst of the tribulation, in the midst of my sister's heroin addiction, He is still faithful. He is still good. I will see the good of the Lord in the land of the living. And I'm here to tell you that God wants to add to this house. He wants to multiply it to this house. He wants to raise you up to be a voice of victory to the city of Adelaide and the state of South Australia. Not because everything is rosy and good, but because in the midst of the tribulations and trials, He is still faithful and we still look to Him and we still move forward. Victory's greatest days are ahead of you, not behind you. I don't say that because I'm looking for a great offering today. I say that because I, I, I see that, I sense that God builds from glory to glory, from generation to generation. And in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of stuff that goes 
in directions that we wish it hadn't have gone down, God comes and says, yeah, but there's a new day that's rising. There's a new sunrise in your life. There's, there's, and so you may have come, this may have been, you know, maybe 2016, I've already heard was, you know, a terrible year. But maybe for you, 2018 has been difficult. Maybe for your family, maybe for your job, maybe for your, where you're at in your life right now, you've got every reason to doubt, to, to not have belief. But today I believe God's coming is saying it's time to perceive the now will and purpose of God for your life and to rise up in faith. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 